0: Welcome friends to another r slash nuclear revenge video. Today we've got a couple of crazy stories, but first, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our first story of the day is I was used as a bet. There have been so many stories about the horrors of growing up chubby, and a lot of them are very true, no matter how dramatic they sound. I was born big. At birth, I weighed 12.125 pounds and it's a literal miracle my mother was able to house me in her womb, seeing as she was a very tiny person. My father, however, was a gentle giant, standing at 6'4 and almost 300 pounds of mostly muscle. I got my stature from him. I was raised from birth until I turned three in a large farmhouse where my dad and his brothers lived with their wives, because they all decided that they would raise their kids together and even though I can't remember most of it... I know that they were the best years of my life. All my cousins were just as big as me or even bigger, so there was no judgment. Plus, it was in the country, where the fatter your kids are, the healthier they were deemed. A few months before I turned four, an accidental electrical fire burned down most of the farmhouse and the farm itself, killing off many of the animals in it. My mother said everyone was devastated, but luckily they were able to sell the land to an investor who had been asking to buy for years, sharing the profits amongst themselves and moving to the city. My mother had always been a city girl before she went on a date with the nice farm boy, my dad, and got sucked into the farm life. While my dad took on truck driving, my mom was thriving, taking me around to meet her old friends and having fun. She didn't enjoy a lot of their meetings, however because all her friends seemed to do was make snarky remarks about me and my size. Asking her to reduce my food portions and take me jogging, I was 5 years old. She never cared though, she always told me to love myself the way I was made, since before I could even speak, and she showed me how to with the way she loved herself and my father. Preschool and kindergarten weren't the worst, mainly because I can't recall half of the things that went on. And in elementary school everyone wanted to stick things up their noses middle school was where i started to face the beginnings of fat phobia two of my cousins and i started the same middle school at the same time and we were very close almost immediately we got nicknames like pork chops chubby and fatsy attached to us my cousins are boys and are much bigger than i am so they got the nickname stopped within a few days but they continued behind our backs I was the most blissfully unaware person, just excited to be alive and wear my princess dresses to school and hang out with my cousins. I eventually did make some friends that weren't my cousins and everything seemingly went well until the first homecoming dance that we had to go to. I got asked out by the cutest boy in my grade, which I was very excited about, and he gave me a condition that I had to find a lime green dress so that we could do a matching outfit. I agreed and spent nearly every day after school scouting for a lime green dress with my mother until we found one that fit me. It wasn't the cutest, but it worked. Imagine my shock when I showed up to the dance. The theme was a winter wonderland and everyone had on sparkling whites and blues and I looked like guacamole's sick cousin. I also got to find out that I wasn't my date's real date and it was just a ploy to get me to be a laughing stock. My sweet angel cousins eventually broke the poor kid's nose, but the experience really stuck with 12 year old me and I generally became withdrawn from school activities. From then on until I got to my senior year, I kept to myself for the most part. I didn't stop dressing up to school and eventually even learned how to do hair and makeup for my mother. That got me a few more friends, and before long, some of the popular girls started coming to me to do their hair and makeup for dates and eventually homecoming. People started knowing who I was, and boys came up to talk to me, but I made sure to mention to everyone who cared to hear that I didn't date. I just didn't. I made a lot of good friends though, and by the time high school was rounding up, I was the one person who was friends with all the friend groups. I made so much money on prom night, and it inspired me to take learning about hair further. After my graduation, I informed my parents of my wish to take a gap year to go to cosmetology school for a year and they were very supportive, even paying half of the tuition for me despite the fact that I'd saved up enough for it. Going to cosmetology school was the best thing I could have done for myself. It was equal parts fun and stressful and I learned so much. I told myself that I would return after college for a brush up class the minute I got my certificate. I was one year late to start college but it was the perfect time for me. As a mixed girl who looked more like her black mother, I had naturally curly hair, so I often did my own braids and different hairstyles and posted them all over social media. This garnered some attention, especially from people at my school, and before I knew it, I had bookings to do hair. I also charged a lot less than regular salons because I did my hair in a dorm room, so it was pretty affordable for students. My social media blew up, and before I knew it, Between school and my new job, I was fully booked. This is how I met the boy that would become my first boyfriend. We'll call him T, which was the initial of his first name. T was a student athlete and model, known for his hair. He had the most beautiful afro I had ever seen, and it was obvious that he cared for it a lot. We met when he called me and arranged an appointment for his hair, and when he got to my dorm, he claimed to know me from high school. I'd never seen his face but he said that I did his sister's hair and makeup for prom and she won prom queen. I had no idea because I didn't attend prom but he sounded legit so I believed him. It was nice knowing that my reputation preceded me and we got into a very comfortable conversation. I became his regular hairdresser and he got his hair done every two weeks. After three months of doing his hair, he asked me on a date. I was very anxious because I was still the big girl of every friend group, and while I wasn't too insecure about my body, I couldn't forget what happened to me in middle school, my friends urged me to go ahead. In my second year of college, at 20 years old, and I hadn't even had my first kiss, they made sense, so I went ahead and agreed to the date with him. T was lovely, he was a gentleman, a really good conversationalist and somehow I'd watched at least 5 of the millions of obscure TV shows I was interested in, that was more than I could say for anyone ever. He was a little too good to be true, but I embraced it because my mother used to say that it was how she felt about my dad when she first met him. Nothing was out of place with T. I had my first kiss and my first time with him, and it felt so natural. I never even had the problem of not having what to wear when I slept over at his because he had t-shirts that fit me. If you're a big girl in a relationship with someone you're bigger than, you'll understand the anxiety of sleeping over at your boyfriend's. One of the things that stood out to me the most about T was the fact that he still paid whenever I did his hair. Since we were together, I would have gladly have done his hair for no pay, but he paid every time, even when I asked him not to. I figured out eventually that our relationship was too good to be true when he was down with diarrhea one day and asked me to text his mother and let her know that he wouldn't be able to make it home for dinner that weekend. As I did that a text from his team group popped up and I accidentally clicked on it. I swear it was accidental because I'm a very high advocate for having privacy in relationships and I trusted T to a large extent. I was going to exit the group, but then I was attracted by the question, Have you told her yet, bro? Of course, I had to check what that was about. And that's when I found out that there was some sort of game going on with T and his friends. Scared that he would find out what I was doing, I exported the chats from his group to his email, sent them to myself, and then deleted all the evidence within the rest of the 30 minutes that he was in the bathroom. That night, I read the messages and cried my eyes out. Apparently there'd been a $200 bet to see if I would date any of the guys from the group just for fun, and then another one for $300 if T would date me longer than a month. We were approaching 6 months, so he must have taken a lot of money from them. It was so hard to believe that the one thing I'd been avoiding for so long was happening to me in plain sight. I also found out that the girl who won prom queen that he said was his sister wasn't his sister at all. He didn't even go to the high school in the same area as I did. He also stalked my Twitter so that he could figure out what I liked and used them against me. It didn't take me long to decide that I wanted to pay T and his jerk friends back for screwing me up in the way that they did. I didn't talk to anyone about it, but I knew exactly what I had to do. T's hair was his signature, and his favorite part of him. He groomed it very well until I came along and then handed the responsibility over to me. I always bought his hair products and after I did a shampoo stock up, I half emptied the bottles of shampoo and conditioner and mixed what was left with hair removal cream. I was in his room the next day when he washed his hair with the shampoo. It was the funniest interaction of my life. It took everything in me not to burst out laughing. He came out of the bathroom naked and screaming, clumps of hair on his body, and his head almost completely bald, save for some select spots on his head. I managed to calm him down and he finished his shower. For the first time in my life, I saw a grown man cry over hair. He looked terrible with a bald head and swore to wear a hat until some of his hair grew back. Unfortunately for him, hats weren't exactly allowed on the basketball court. The second part of my revenge plan was to send an anonymous email to the coach letting him know where t and his friends usually gathered to smoke weed and sometimes do other recreational drugs i knew because i joined them sometimes if they were caught they would be temporarily removed from the team or their sports scholarships could be pulled away the best part they were all in their final year It was a messy situation, watching T, who just lost a major part of his identity, try to figure out how to talk to the school and ask for a second chance to prove that the drugs didn't enhance their performance. I almost felt bad. Almost. He had no idea that I was behind both of the messy situations, and one night, he even confessed to me about the bet, swearing that he called it off the minute he realized that he was in love with me. I didn't believe a word of it though, and we broke up after I graduated. He and his friends slash teammates were held back two years. Why? I have no idea, but the next time he's tempted to place a bet, he'll remember how karma screwed him up. I think my only question is, after OP figured out everything that was going on here, the weird, creepy bet system thing, why did it seem like OP stuck around for a while even after the fact? Like I know they wanted to put up appearances for them to like get their hair removed and whatnot but after that why not just reveal the cards and cut them off because why stick around? If you were an OP situation would you stick it out to try to get some kind of revenge first or would you just call them out on it and split up right then and there? Let me know about you guys in the comments down below. That said our final story of the day is paying my boyfriend back. I think that cheating in relationships has been normalized in our society, and I despise it. I've always stood against it because I believe that it's disrespectful to oneself and their partner. My parents were married for 40 years before my father died, and they swore that they had never. No- Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at Bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. A lot can happen in three years, like a chat bot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever cheated on each other even once? That did its share of raising the bar for me. My siblings were also much older than me and by the time I was entering college, all three of them were happily married with kids. They also have really loving marriages and it became my life's goal to find my own person. I never really dated in high school because of how fleeting it all felt. I didn't want to tie myself down to anyone that wasn't interested in taking the relationship beyond that point and most of the people around only wanted short flings. I wasn't exactly out of the closet as bisexual. But I hooked up with girls and other closeted guys a lot, refusing to get into relationships after because I just didn't see a future with the person or they were going abroad for college and I didn't fancy going long distance. Now that I reminisce, I probably should have dated someone for the experience part of it because I did have a strong crush on someone from sophomore year until senior year. I came out to family and friends the summer before I left for college. Everyone was very accepting of it, which I'll always be grateful for and never take for granted. College was out of the town I lived in and my entire family turned it into a road trip. We drove down there and helped me settle in before leaving. College was good for me. Academically, I knew that I wouldn't have problems with it and that was mostly what I intended to do. I also put relationships off because who dates in college? I made sure to keep myself out of situations that put me in the way of having too many people around me and friend zoned everyone I knew. It's so pathetic now that I say it, but I avoided making friends and pretended to be bad at texting people back when I reached unavoidable social situations. My first two years were basically me avoiding people the most I could so I wouldn't get any feelings whatsoever. During winter break, my family revealed to me that my father had been battling cancer and had barely months to live. I was heartbroken and decided to take a year off school to spend his final moments with him. What was supposed to be a few months turned into a year before he died, and after that I took another gap year to stay with my mother. His death hit her the hardest, and despite my siblings offering to stay with her while I went to school, I knew that they had their own families and wouldn't be able to be for her as much as she needed. It was really difficult in the first few months, but with the decision to solo travel, my mother was able to bounce back. Before she left to do her trip, we had a long conversation, and she had advised me to let myself fall in love, because not everything was meant to last forever. It made sense, seeing as my dad had just left her, just not in the way you would expect. When I returned back to college, I decided that i would allow myself to find friends and maybe even someone to date it was getting a little embarrassing to be my age and never having been in a relationship luckily for me i was able to find some other students who had also taken gap years and we formed a little friendship group knowing how hard it was to fit back in after leaving school for a bit and then coming back among them was this guy i'll call him allison He had the longest gap year of three years and I had the second longest of two, while everyone else had one year or even just a semester. He was very cute and had a quiet, mysterious air to him, much like me. Our gap year stories were also very similar and it just led to me feeling more comfortable with him. Before long, we were inseparable and always doing things together. You never saw him without seeing me and vice versa. Even in our friends slash acquaintance group. We were the closest. I didn't think he had feelings for me, especially since he identified as straight, but after a kiss at a party and a drunken confession of feelings, we started dating. Nobody thought we were serious in the beginning since we're both very masculine presenting, but after a few showy PDA moments, they got the memo. Allison was 22 and I was 21 at the time we started dating, and everything felt natural. He was kind and gentle and it seemed like we had similar values, especially in relationships and marriage. That was all I needed to know to know that I would be with him in the long run. There were absolutely no red flags to look out for and my more permanent friend group loved him. After college, Allison and I moved in together and got a cat. We were two years into the relationship at this point and I was almost completely sure that we would get married. I wanted to be the one to propose and I already had a pretty elaborate plan. My mother promised to give me my father's ring to use and she was helping me figure out the best place to raise children as a queer couple. I was in the best place possible and Allison was the best partner anyone could ever ask for. I had a job with a software company and Allison was a personal trainer and choreographer for numerous dance shows. So we both made decent money and were very busy people but we were also able to keep a pretty decent sized friend group from college and our work lives. We almost always had something to attend every weekend. Things didn't seem out of place until I started noticing marks on our cat. She's a white British shorthair, so seeing color on her coat could be a sign of something serious. After much research on my part and a bath for our kitty, I realized that it was just some kind of stain. The only problem, it was recurring. It was usually around her face, like her forehead or her cheeks and sometimes on her paws. Those were places where people would normally kiss. And after putting things together, I realized they were lipstick marks. It didn't make any sense to me because she was an indoor cat. We only let her out when we were home to run around in the garden and she hated being in the grass, so there was no way she was escaping on her own. It seemed like a small thing, but it made me feel a little weird. I tried to talk to Allison about it, but he shrugged and said he didn't know what I was on about. I decided to look into it myself, but the mark stopped appearing on our kitty and I completely forgot about it. Barely a month later, I found a broken lipstick-stained wine glass in the trash, and a pink thong in a pile of Allison's dirty laundry. We kept our laundry in different bags, but if one person was busy, the other person usually helped out. I was helping out, and I saw it. It was of a mesh material and had a cute little embroidered write up on the front of it. As I mentioned earlier, Allison and I were very masculine presenting. We went to the gym, him more than me, dressed pretty basic, and didn't do much makeup, other than the occasional niece deciding to paint her face or a dress-up party. My initial thoughts were that Allison was trying to experiment with makeup and underwear and get into his feminine side. It made sense to relate to the lipstick incident with the kitty and why he didn't want to say much. Everything made sense until wine night at our place. I heard a friend of ours who was newly married tell Allison that she couldn't find her underwear, proceeding to describe the exact pair of panties that I found in his laundry basket. They were supposedly whispering to each other but three glasses of wine and some beer were bound to make you a little loud the pieces of the puzzle reassigned themselves and i realized that allison had been cheating on me with her all this time i didn't think there was enough evidence so i decided that i would find a way to get palpable information to use against him i was hurt to say the least i hardly cried not just as a manly thing but since i was a child I found it hard to express my pain through tears. I would rather engross myself in other things to distract the pain, but this made me cry. The whole reason I'd stayed away from relationships in the first place was the one thing that had been happening right under my nose and I had no idea. I decided that I wouldn't let it fly. I needed to make Allison pay for hurting me in this way and pretending that everything was okay. I put small cameras in specific parts of the house right on the wall above the door, on a bookshelf in our bedroom, and on a vase in the dining. They were also audio-receptive, and after a month of being painfully patient, I finally got all the feed transferred to my computer, and to say that I was shocked would be an intense understatement. I was hoodwinked, bamboozled, and surprised at how many people Ellison brought home, and how many of them were actually my friends. Our friends, rather women I had known since college, women I would met through him. It was a lot of women, and I was devastated. We had a conversation once about our attraction to women as bisexual men, and he mentioned that he was mostly attracted to men, even making me feel a little weird for being equally attracted to both genders. He even once said that if he ever cheated on anyone he was dating, it would be with a man because, with women, there had to be a much deeper level of connection. I guess he connected very well with the several women he brought to the house and screwed. I had to commend him though, he had the sexual stamina of a teenager, because if I had depended on using that as a sign, I would have never have realized anything. I dug deep into myself to find my petty bone and brought it out to play. The first thing I did was make sure that I compiled all the separate tapes of the different women he brought into our house and saved them to multiple devices, just in case anything was to happen to one copy. Then, I made sure to get the emails of those of them with significant others, and those who didn't? I found their parents' Facebook. For Allison, sometimes he ranted to me about certain celebrities he worked with and how he disliked working with them. It was a pretty normal thing to dislike people at your work, but I made sure to get these little comments into a video. Sometimes he said things like, if I could, I would cut their legs off. So I capitalized on those parts to look like threats. Perks of being the tech guy, you know a little bit about everything. When the time came to screw everyone up, I sent emails and Facebook messages from anonymous emails and faceless Facebook profiles, changing the IP address of each message so they wouldn't be traced back to the same place or person. Allison's was the last, and I didn't try to hide it. I needed him to know that it was me who screwed him up. Once I was done, I packed some things into my car and rented an Airbnb for a few days to get away from the mess of what I did, and the impending breakup with my boyfriend of nearly three years. Allison did figure out that I did everything, and he came to apologize. He did ask me to get back together with him, swearing that he would change, but I just kicked him out of the Airbnb and let him know when I would be returning to the house so that he could move out. After all, the apartment was rented in my name. He lost his job as a choreographer for about two of the three shows he choreographed for, and miraculously, the gym closed down. It probably is really mean, but I felt relieved that his life was falling apart after screwing me over. There were a lot of breakups and a really messy divorce among the friend group, but as they say, birds of the same feather flock together. They'd all know how to console themselves. It's only been a few months and the wound is healing slowly, but I'll never settle for anyone who cheats. I know there's somewhere out there, and I'll find my own person one day. Do you guys agree with the sentiment, once a cheater, always a cheater, that if you're going to cheat once, you're almost certainly going to do it again? Would you ever stay with somebody or give somebody a second chance that had cheated on you? I'd like to know what you guys think down in the comments. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50